welcome to the stream. Hey everyone, how are you doing today? Uh, I see we got some followers pre-stream and right as the stream was starting. So shout out to uh, Martin Bryce, thanks for following. Uh, Tempest, thank you for following. Flying Feather 12, thank you. Um, thank you all for coming in. Hello Tempest, welcome. Um, welcome to Art Brunch. This is Art Brunch Season 2, Episode 11, I think, something like that. Uh, and it's on the channel, the network, the travel agency. Um, if it's your first time watching a Twitch stream, thank you for coming here and spending your time with us. Um, we do these sh talks live because they add an amazing community element that benefits everybody and, and benefits the artist, gives them a chance to field questions that they wouldn't normally receive. Um, so it can just feel like we're, you know, all hanging out together. A little bit about the travel agency. The travel agency's mission is to nurture a digitally native platform that hosts contemporary art making, produces art-centered entertainment, and provides digital residencies with multimedia exhibition opportunities for emerging artists. We're in the piloting stage right now of um, learning and testing how this digital residency is going, and uh, there'll be more information about that later this year. Um, our live media programming cultivates unconventional audiences, promotes understanding through interaction, and provides an alternative avenues for public interest and support for the arts. Um, and the show that you're watching today is Art Brunch. It's the flagship show. It's produced with in-house talent, um, separate from the artist-produced shows. Uh, each week, we have a new guest from the contemporary art world to come on and uh, casually talk about what they do, where they do it, why they do it, things like that. Um, so yeah, again, if it's your first time tuning in, thank you. Uh, you can support the stream by following. Following is free. And if you have a couple bucks to spare, um, subscribing is the best way to support the channel with money. So thank you for that. I'm going to introduce my co-host here today, Jake Leach. Welcome. Hi, Rick. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for being here. Uh, so, Jake, you're here with me every week. Most people know that, um, but you you help me fly this fly this plane. <laughs> well, for no other you know way to really prove that with the headset kind of vibe, you know, which I feel like we don't address very often. We maybe did the very first time I wore mm -hmm. it, but like I really think we sell the co-pilot aspect mm. of the show with the, with the headsets and very convenient and i think i've got to the point now where like i watch twitch streamers who just have like a mic and separate headphones I'm like, why would you why like why do you need to like lean in and out and, like adjust like i guess i get like a creature comfort thing to like have something to touch or move or like have wearing glasses like you want to alter them like and i do wish i had glasses rick i don't yeah. know how you feel about glasses and it's kind of nice to like like when you're really stressed out you just like take them off and you're just like like how often do you get to do this oh do the 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 pinched fingers into the forehead kind of thing Mm. You get to do that a lot. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's like the glasses community gets this all the time. I'm sick to the, to this. Quit talking to me about this. I think that um, I they just kind of become. They're just like a part of me, really. I I yeah. don't I don't ever take them off to emote because then I can't see. Okay. You well, know, <laughs> like it's well, like if I'm emoting no. that like I'm upset with somebody. And like I blind myself, 
like to yeah. prove a point. <laughs> I think it's a little self-spiteful. It, it can be. I mean, I get that. Um, I mean, I, I'm growing out this beard as anyone who's followed the show for a while, and I'm just kind of seeing where this goes. Um, I've definitely started like touching it and playing with it. Oh yeah. So this is like my these are my glasses. This is my mm. my beard glasses because I I definitely find myself like just kind of sitting there and just kind of you know and if I feel like if I shave this off I wouldn't have anything. Anyway, long story short, I'm trying to figure out what my my glasses thing will be with these okay. headphones. Got it. That was so. a really good way to get to that. Um, one of the things that I think about this headset <laughs> yes. is is that like I I'm definitely like not a 10, you know, like not a nine. I think I'm like on on the scale of attractiveness. Oh, Rick, come on. I think that the microphone thing is like a very like 10 thing to do because they're like all worried about their face and their hair. Like, like the headset though is like the, the, you know, the like, it's not the hottest person in the world thing to do, but it's like a good thing for attractive boys like us. (laughs) It's well, okay. I mean, yeah, my let me see here. I'll mic here so you can hear me. Like, my hair is getting flattened. Yeah, <laughs> my hair, I'm not having a good hair day, but this, this stuff, like, it ruins your hair. It really it does. does. Ruin, it but, ruins like, your hair, ruins it. And so, I'm thinking, like, if you, like, okay, my mic is up here. Does that, do I sound far away? You sound now? bad. Okay, do I sound bad or do I sound far away? Far away. Because, like, you know, that idea of like when someone's got like the co- like comedians, like, they've got the mics, they'll be like, are you kidding? Like the big, are you kidding me? You know. Oh like, what? yeah, yeah. You know, oh, okay. And you can just hear him just distantly. Oh, that's good. I think I need. We need to do more of the mic arm comedy bit. I think that needs to happen. You gotta more, be smooth because I, I can hear you kind of wiggling it around, but you know, Damn real smooth. It. That's how they win. We'll work on our. I didn't hear that. Wise guy McFly, thanks for the uh, headphone emoji. President Lincoln says, "Doing hot guy <laughs> shit." <laughs> Let's go. Speaking of hot guy shit, we got a guest today. Yes. Um, our our guest today is Justin Beechler, and I'm going to introduce him real quick. Uh, Justin Beechler makes paintings and sculptures interested in the subcultural aesthetic developments of counterculture movements specific to psychedelics, conspiracy, and contemporary art. He takes a jokester approach to creating and is super curious how these subcultures have evolved and influenced each other online. He's recently shown at the Nerman Museum of Contemporary Art in Kansas, Level 3 in Chicago, Granite City Art and Design District, and numerous galleries in Kansas City where he spent most of his adult life. He currently resides in Chicago. Justin, welcome to the stream. Hello, everyone. How's real, it going? Real hot guy shit. Real hot guy shit. <laughs> the hot guy shit going this morning, Sunday, right? <laughs> real hot guy Sunday. That's our new yes. show. That's the hashtag yeah. real guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh Thanks for being here. Um, fun fact about Justin and I is we're both uh, Kansas City Art Institute rejects, which we uh, wear as a badge of honor um, for sure. Uh, Tempest Patrick in the chat says KC exclamation point hot guy. So. <laughs> We've got a we've got a new brand element here at Art Brunch. We really do. We'll have to get the e- the hot guy emote going. Um, well, I hate to say, you guys, we're never going to get that KCAI uh, endorsement money now. You know, oh, now yeah. that we're a badge of honor. I mean, <laughs> well, and you guys said KCAI rejects. I mean, you got into the school. Oh, that's right? true. Yeah, yeah. 
You weren't rejected. You just we did. You didn't want to. You self-rejected. I think. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was a a big element of self self sab for me. A little mm. a little self sabotage. Uh, yeah. I I think I like to. I think we talked about it as we're we were KCAI wads. What? <laughs> Total wads. Real hot wads on yeah. here. That's what you guys are. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the show. Hot wads. Hot wads. Hot there wads. we go. Um, yeah, snag that Instagram handle. <laughs> yes, like right now. Snag that. Um, well, I, as long as we're on the subject, because I am not a KCAI hot wad person. Yeah. I, I I have not. I'm not a hot wad. I I do really enjoy. I think or is KCI near the grounds of like the Kemper Museum and stuff? Yeah, for sure. Because I really there's this video like you know there's like these tiers of like grass in this park uh-huh. where like the big like shuttlecock um, uh, sculpture is and everything. And there was this real fun video that my brother and I had where I like would run and like jump down to one grass tier and then like do like action film stuff and then jump down to the next. I I think I was like twelve and my brother was like six and like he can't help but laugh the entire time. And it's just one of those like cute childhood memories where you're mm-hmm. like, remember when we ran down here and you couldn't stop laughing and I wasn't doing anything funny at all, but we loved it. Um, so I have very fond memories of KCAI when, and when I attended it as a small child. <laughs> yeah. I, was that not how your guys' experience was, I guess? Well, it was exactly like that, but on acid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That seems specific because I think most people say steroids, which I hate that phrase. I hate when people say that. It's like, Uh, oh, it's like this, but on steroids. Like, what is, like, what is, what is, like, yeah. What year is it? Like, Mark McGuire's not even playing anymore. Like, shut up. I have much fonder memories of the Nelson Atkins sculpture park and the, like, Mm -hmm. shitty hole park. I don't even know what that park is called, but the, like, there's, like, a park that's just, like, in a hole right across the street from from the from Dodge yeah it's just like that was like the the freshman park i guess is hmm. pretty much how i referred to it um i have fonder memories uh, in like that whole park and the Nelson Atkins sculpture garden than i have hmm. like at KCI at all and and yeah it, the on acid wasn't a uh an indicator of like amping things up it was literally like those are things that i did there on acid so uh we share that experience (laughs) i see um well yeah justin like what's what's like were there some fond memories at least anywhere associated with it or or things that you enjoyed of that time of course we hung out on the nelson lawn and the whole park all the time Mm -hmm. drank a lot in the whole park um that's what it was for i mean i had a i had a really good time at kcai which is part of the reason that i didn't survive there Hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) directly because you enjoyed yourself yeah the people that didn't enjoy themselves are the ones that graduated and went on to you know do big things and move to new york oh yeah they're showing in new york their assistance to uh blue chip artists and they're doing very well for themselves (laughs) Hey, but, but we you know enjoy what? ourselves. Not, but they're not on hot wads, I tell you what. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they wish they were a hot wad, but they don't get to wear that. But well, I, I think it's just fun to like bring a non St. Louis local aspect to a show, especially since like you guys can talk so thoroughly about those experiences. 
because I feel like we'll we'll do the St. Louis version of that statement a lot. And I just I think we should expand the the locals only idea and, and bring that as much as possible to, you know, just to Kansas City, you know, extreme. We're getting really international now, but um, I think it's it's good to explore those spaces. So and I honestly, I really want to go check it out. Maybe mm-hmm. I should. Should I go to KCAI? Maybe. I I think it's a much different place now than when I was there. Uh, So I can't, I can't, you know, really yay or nay it. I'm not sure what's going on in in the whole park anymore. I feel like they, they probably, it's probably nicer. Like Kansas City's just generally nicer than it was when I was there. Um, And I was there like right on the cusp of Kansas City getting nice. Justin, you were there probably when. It, Tempest in the chat says, no, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. Um, also, Joshua. Joshua. Oh, okay. I'll call you, I'll call you Ja if that's okay. Ja says, same. Um, welcome to the chat, Ja. And Skate Mom, sorry, your link got nerfed. Um, that's something that I'll check out that clip in a, in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for clipping that. Um, Tempest says mega admin problems, which sounds about par for the course. Mm. Um, anyways, sounds like most schools, but yeah, yeah. So for those of you just joining us, for those of you who are here for the first time, or people who need a refresher, the show is broken up into these different segments. Um, next, we're going to go into a segment called the Canned Crucible, where we rate a beverage together. It's a good way for us to connect to our bodies and talk about you know something everybody can relate to and we're accumulating a large list of rated beverages by artists for uh distribution to marketing companies um then after that we go into jake's astro nook which is a a new name for an old segment but the segment's like refreshed a little bit this week and um jake's gonna share his astrological knowledge with us and um we'll we'll get there and then we'll be wrapping getting to the end of the hour here we'll take a break we'll come back and then we'll do a deep dive into justin's work we'll take another break after that hour and we'll finish up the conversation wrapping up with uh 10 quick questions that we ask all of our guests before the end of the show so just wanted to give you all a heads up of the cadence of the show today and we're going to Get over into the, the canned crucible here if y'all are ready. They're not ready. You're ready. <clears throat> that's the uh, that's the official <laughs> introduction for the canned crucible. There. Oh boy. Um, President Lincoln says hello. I'm here for the first time. I'm President Lincoln. Nice to meet you, President Lincoln. Uh, Never heard that name before. Way to be here. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about like. President Lincoln streams as well. I, I almost created a uh, Twitch handle the other night that was Vice President Linkhot, but I didn't quite get around to it. So That's for the real heads. Okay, for sure. This week we are um, drinking a little little Bush N.A. Yes. A little Bush Na. Look at that. That's the, that's the drink of the week. Um and and yeah we can we we rate these beverages on three different metrics um flavor mouthfeel and emotion on a scale of one to one thousand so, and, and justin this was your suggestion if i'm not mistaken correct 
Correct. Yeah. Because usually Rick has a choice. I think Rick, as supreme leader of the show, typically picks the can. And I think this is one of the rare times where a guest got to pick it. So I'm very excited to have a, a non-Rick pick, uh, at least for this this particular round. But and and uh, I think this is also the first time we just had like a straight up beer. Like that's true. That's true. Like, like there, it's always like some like canned cocktail, something very bougie, something very, you know. And we're just like Bush and a let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... kind of slum up a little bit, you know. Get a little yeah. hell yeah. I think like how I feel about it, this is a little meta, but I think that really exciting things happen when guests have input on what we drink. Because the last time a guest had an input on what we drank, we were drinking twisted tea with Chloe, and that was so uh, that was a that was a powerful move. But it um, was. but yeah, so we can we can get a little group pop here if y'all are ready. Group pop the can. On the count of three: one, two, three. I heard nothing. Somebody went. I heard one. I heard at least one or two. Mm. Salud. Okay. Let's get sippies. Attention. Yeah. Wow. This is, wow, this is blowing my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but we'll get to my thoughts. I, we got to hear, we got to hear Justin's thoughts. You got any, uh, is there any copy on this can? There is not. I did check that. So usually there we do a can copy where we talk about some great copy on the can. And uh, Bush has decided to not do anything oh. by this oh. means. Um, well, I will talk about it, just what the info on it. So this is Bush NA, which is to say it is non-alcoholic. Yeah. Um, this is honestly, I think, the first non-alcoholic beer I've had, at least certainly in a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, I actually really enjoy, as long as we're just talking about the can and everyone jump in here about the can i actually really like the red blue red blue white right red white and blue i think they do a really good mix like this kind of darker blue i think is kind of nice um it's a pretty can. still makes you feel like you're drinking a beer like the can still feels like beer af mm -hmm. but it, it is beer na i think you know mm. um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and justin what is your uh relationship with this drink without like rating it on any scale like how did, did is this your first time trying it no um so i actually i quit drinking alcohol about 11 years ago okay so i am constantly searching out alcoholic beers and it comes to the like entry level you know but you could even say like shitty beer like, I think yeah. this is the best shitty non-alcoholic beer on the market, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I have no other reference right now, except I guess I've had maybe an, uh, like an O'Doul's at one point. I think I remember my dad had O'Doul's back in the day. Like, he would just buy it just because, like, um, and he'd be like, well, this is non-alcoholic, Jake. You can have some. As, like, a kid, I was like, oh, what? And that was a big deal to have a sip of O'Doul's. I remember that. <laughs> The, it's the beer for kids it's like no jake it's not for kids. <laughs> like it's not but it is but it isn't like let's just not deal with that and i said okay so anyway importantly on the can it says contains less than 0.5 percent alcohol by volume oh interesting so there might be a little a little so little tippy tap just a little tap of booze in it is that common that's the i, I feel like that's the the basis for in a beer it has to be less than 0.5 percent okay gotcha 
Heineken has has their option says zero percent. Okay. Wow. But I'm say less than 0.5 percent. So this is like a kombucha. <laughs> Bush kombucha for sure, absolutely. <laughs> I think we briefly lost you there, Justin. But you're back. Oh, okay. We got him. Okay. My bad. Yeah, I kind of blacked out for a second. But all right. So or am I? Am I? Am I good? Yeah, you're good. Um, okay, so we can get into this, uh, Justin. On a scale of one to one thousand, what do you think? What are you thinking for flavor? Uh, Flavor-wise, <clears throat> considering that most alcoholic beers at this level taste kind of like beer-flavored sparkling water, so I think of like the Lacroix of non-alcoholic beers, where it may say like mango jammer, but it tastes like there's a mango in the corner of the room and you're just kind of. <laughs> so this one, you know, I think has a pretty good kind of shitty beer flavor going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it tricks my brain into thinking that it might actually be a can of bush. Um, yeah. So I would say flavor wise relative to other beers of this stature, I would say, you know, it's going to be around an 800. 800. But, you know, flavor-wise in comparison to, like, other fancier canned beverages, it's probably about a, a 150 or a 2. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think, I think you got to rate it relative to uh, to its own category. Otherwise, okay. it gets real low, you know. For sure. And that's that's very in depth for a guest to do that. I don't think anyone's ever done that kind of analysis. So Justin, I'm I'm in this with you. This is great. Well, well Justin um, was a on the sommelier path. Really? I was. Yeah, before I quit drinking, that was kind of my uh my career path. Wow. Um, then I stopped drinking and decided uh that's not a good idea anymore. Well, and a brief aside, are there non-alcoholic wines? A, does that exist? And B, are there some that you enjoy? Um, It does. I haven't had a lot of them. So I actually sold, I was a wine, fine wine salesman for a wholesale company for a while back in the day. And there were a small amount of non-alcoholic wines on the market back then. But back then also like non-alcoholic beer, like every non-alcoholic alcoholic item there was a very small percentage of the market that people yeah. are actually doing it. And they were awful back then. <laughs> um, I haven't had any of them. There's a ton of new ones out that I haven't even tried, but yeah. back then the non-alcoholic wines were horrendous. Mm, gotcha. Interesting. There might be opportunities there. If you get on the NA sommelier, you know, like the, it could be, it could be like next level. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe it's coming back around. And you'll be perfectly poised for that moment in time. Honestly, I mean, that's what, like, every, like, hip lifestyle, like, output, like, magazine, whatever there is, has been, like, non-alcoholic drinks, but, like, cocktails or whatever is, like, the move. Mm. And so, like, I think it's, A, really important that we cover non-alcoholic beverages on the show, but also I feel like it's very much now. Like, very now. Which so big trend it's trending That's huge amazing. um every every fancy restaurant has an in a cocktail menu mm-hmm. with multiple options 
Um, there's so many a beer options. There's any liquor substitutes that are all over the place now. So I think you're right. But you also don't want to be the asshole who's the water sommelier either, you know. Like, here's 20 different kinds of water, and we're going to go through and, like, critique these. That I'm, seems a little... Definitely <laughs> willing to be that asshole. <laughs> Rick's like, sign me up. Let's go. I don't give a shit what you think about me. I will be that person. I personally think Voss is overrated, but <clears throat> we can get into that another day. That's uh, another show. Slick, it's a slick-looking bottle. It's slick, yeah. But I think, I think you put Voss head-to-head with a Fiji, and, you know, it's Fiji every time. Uh, Fiji's all hipper and the Voss bottle for sure. Yeah. Well, I think the Voss bottle would uh, make a, a sleeker bong if you were going to, you know. Oh. It. It's multi-use. Denise, That's what you need. Welcome yeah. to the chat. Denise says, yeah, mock- mocktails. Mocktails are huge. We yeah. see that. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Tempest says, uh, Museum of Bottled Water. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's is? a thing. Oh. Oh my God! Where is that? I thought it was a yeah, one-time I'm joke. Sure it's a, I think it's a. I think it's a deal. Sick. Okay, we'll get into okay. that. Jake, what we'll do you have for that. flavor? Um, I am loving this. I mean, this is quintessential shitty beer flavor. This makes me feel at home, like very Midwestern, uh, as being a native St. Louis. In, uh, you know, I'm I'm vibing very hard with this. I'm giving this a eight fifty. 850 like it's it is i mean yeah i'm i'm really feeling quite cozy on this morning with this beer rick how about you um <laughs> p is the truth says president Linkold. i don't know why i said that out loud <laughs> there's some peak talk in the chat there a little bit uh, apparently beverages make you pee agree um since when the what? uh yeah good good plane placement uh pop-up installation says tempest um Ooh. So for me, uh, the flavor, I mean, I would not be able to discern this in the wild. I would yeah. not be able to discern it in the wild. Um, totally. If somebody gave me this in a red solo cup at a party, like, I'd be drunk in no time. <laughs> it's the mental drunk. It's the party, <clears throat> mindset, party mindset. I felt really. it. I felt I... it in the first few sips. I felt the, like, beer bubbliness that I get yeah. from, like, an OG Bush. And... I'm having all kinds of weird, yeah, I'm having all kinds of weird, like, placebo effects, but also, mm-hmm. like, I'm curious if there's something about, like, the particular effervescence that beer creates that is, like, mind-altering in some way. You know, like, when you have, like, a like a real thick, fizzy Coke, like, kind of, like, oh, yeah. whatever that best Coca-Cola experience is for you, like... Maybe it's a McDonald's Coca-Cola experience. Maybe it's a glass mm. bottle. Uh, mm. There's something is definitely like a state change when you start drinking it. I think before any like metabolize, you know, metabolism is involved. So I'm noticing that with the bush is that like I was immediately bubbly. I would not be able to discern this. Bush is like S tier beer for me. <laughs> I I think, and that's not to say shit. What's that S beer. stand for? It like <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's <laughs> super uh oh there it is i really like i really i really like bush as far as like a canned beer and i drink it all the time anyways i'm i'm sold 960 woohoo all right i really like it it's really good yeah it's good yeah next up uh is mouthfeel 
So, Justin, take us away. <laughs> I think it's got some, like, very fine bubbles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, super fine bubbles. Um, and, yeah. You know, it's very, uh, it's, a, it's about as light bodies as it, as it gets. Um, definitely leaves that, uh, that shitty beer kind of cung-toting, you know, <laughs> with the tongue. Um, it, you know, it's like you drink too many and you wake up and, you know, it's still there on your tongue type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, do we rate the, the mouthfeel? Yes. Mm-hmm. One to a thousand. Okay. So, mouthfeel, <clears throat> I would say... I mean, it's pretty unobstructive. Um, let's let's go with a for for a regular beer. Um, I would say mouthfeel seven fifty. Seven fifty, excellent. I I'm, I I knew we would. You know, we have we have a practice sommelier. You know, tra- semi trained, fully trained, however you may want to say on the track of. So I, I appreciate yeah. that we have someone who can like actually like. A fine bubble. I was like, okay, we're in this for real. Let's do this. I love it. Because uh, the mouthfeel of shitty beer is kind of my least favorite thing in the world. Mm. And I'm realizing now, like, this is, like, I'm coming at this from, like, I'm vegetarian. I eat Impossible Burgers. And I'm eating that being, like, how much does this taste like meat? Not because I desire meat, but, like, I want the experience of going to Burger King and having the burger and just, like, enjoying it, you know? Which I know that turns a lot of people off. Like they hate fake meat that tastes like meat. This is literally just beer with less alcohol, if like as much as they mm-hmm. could. Like this isn't like fake beer trying to be beer. And I think I'm needing to turn that off of my head. So with that in mind, I think I should be honest and say that I hate the mouthfeel <laughs> of yeah. shitty beer, and just be like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna give this like a a three hundred. Three hundred. Because I I still do have a classic feeling with it. So it's not a zero. Like I appreciate the memories I have associated with this horrible feeling in my mouth, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I really am not. I don't like that feeling at all, and I want to be honest with that. So, um, yeah, three hundred. Okay. Rick, how about you? Yeah, uh, I think you, you know you both. You both have good points. Um, it's it's very fine, almost like a froth. It's almost like a like a froth there's a frothiness to it yeah um i think that that's just like an emulsion you know really feels Mm -hmm. like an emulsion of bubbles um i mean i'm here for it i i think i'm just gonna i'm gonna retweet what uh justin had to say and have the 750 because that's kind of where i'm at i i'm 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 into it okay and finally um the last thing that we're rating is emotion and then we'll be getting into jake's astronook so, Justin, take us. Um, um, I give it a chill vibes. Mm. Chill vibes. <laughs> That's the rating. <laughs> chill vibes. That's a good rating. <laughs> good, good rating. Um, if I had to give the emotion I feel a number, <clears throat> I do associate this bad flavor and taste or, or, or mouth feel with good chill vibes. So I'm gonna give this. Uh, uh, I'm gonna give this a chill vibes too. <laughs> I think that feels right. <laughs> I'm gonna rate this a chill vibes out of a thousand. Um, I'm gonna 
create some semblance of structure here at the end. And yes. uh, um, I also do feel like it's it's chill vibes. Um, but uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> we have things to talk about. Um, yeah, no, it, it it does reference. I do feel like it's referencing other experiences that I have with Bush and I'm really happy like for people. So I, I knew this guy who stopped drinking and he started drinking like Dr. Pepper. And when I, he would like be cool with me drinking and he was drinking Dr. Pepper and dude would pound like a 12 pack of Dr. Pepper. Like, like, like he was drinking a 12 pack of beer. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, like this is a good reason this this really illustrates to me like why you should have stopped drinking and how like happy I am for you. But I don't feel like I could pound like twelve of these. Like maybe you should check this out. So so Rick, you're saying it's not crushable. It's not crushable. It's hundred okay. percent not crushable for me. Uh okay. I'm enjoying it though. Let's uh let's go with a seven forty three. Seven forty three. Well, and really quick, so I, I very much associate this like being at like DIY shows mm -hmm. and the Midwest and stuff like that. I am just we can do a maybe quick speed round. Uh, what was your cheap beer of choice at at DIY shows? Since I think we've had very similar uh, experiences growing up. Uh, like mine, for instance, was Stag, like a hundred percent. Like Stag mm -hmm. beer was my crushable, and you just get the tall boys and the whole thing. Um, Justin, I'm curious what yours was. So I really like stag being from the Midwest, but when I was younger and drinking and kind of in that scene, I drank Natty Ice. Natty Ice. Yeah. Okay. Air alcohol content as cheap as it gets. Yeah. That's a that's <clears throat> a cool choice. Rick, how about you? Um Yeah, I mean there was I went from like pre twenty one shit beer, anything that we could get. And I got a lot of my beer drinking out like pre beer buying age. And <laughs> then the once I was like 21, it was like vodka, whiskey, tequila. Mm -hmm. It was like gotcha. the, the DIY vibe. It was like at the shows, it was like just spirits. Because oh, okay. I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the way that I, I was going. I was like, gotcha. I, I don't want the volume, but I want the vibe. Yes. Yeah. It's more immediate. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's always the, the smartest thing is ironically, like all these kids who are getting beer, like stolen from their like dad's, like, you know, man cave or something. It's like, that's actually the worst way to get drunk. You're going to feel like shit, like mm -hmm. in your stomach. And then you're actually not going to get drunk really that much at all. Yeah. But like, if you want to just like, you can take like three, like little these of whiskey and you're just like gone, you know, like, it's not that hard. Get yourself a you handle know? of pop off and see what happens. <laughs> before you know it a couple things from the chat here and then we'll get to jake's astro corner uh president lincoln says jake is a p denier um caitlin zira says so many memories of my dad letting me take sips of oduls i never had mm. the words for it but it was chill vibes for sure uh <laughs> president lincoln says chill vibes is not a rating oh my goodness and denise says milwaukee's beast come at me it's oh. the best but i call it i call it milwaukee's beast okay he's making beer too oh nice oh, they make one too that's not good oh okay <laughs> i don't think milwaukee's beast is very good myself but i 
I have to. I'm gonna labor to guess this is the best non-alcoholic cheap beer. Because this, I mean, I'm I really am very impressed with this. I have to say that as my little. Final. I'm getting drunk. It's happening. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. See, no, this is great. This is the vibe. I feel drunk, and I'm not even remotely have any alcohol in my system. So anyway. All right, Jake, take us away. Let's do it. All right, so we're now in Jake's Astro Nook. It has been rebranded. Uh, it was. Uh, we're we're focusing less so on horoscopes and more about the astrology of the person in front of us, and I think that's a little bit more important. Um, Justin, you let me know. I won't dox your exact birthday, but you let me know that you are a Leo. I'm so that's good to know. Um, I'll let you know a few of our uh, favorite rappers, um, some favorite uh, famous rappers that are also Leos along with you. We have Lil Pump, Lil Uzi Vert. We have Young Thug. We have mm. Chief Keef, Nipsey Hussle, Soldier Boy, Stormzy. We got Bobby Young Shmurda. And Chief Keef. And Chief, yeah. Leo's like. We're in good company. We bring, yeah. you guys bring it. Uh, Bobby Shmurda. Uh, let's see. Is he still in jail? Did he get freed? Yeah, I think he's still in jail. Oh, damn, it's getting okay. Free Bobby Shmurda. Uh, Fat Joe, Young Dolph. Uh, who we got? I need like one or two more. Nate Dog, R.I.P. Coolio, Dram, hmm. and Lil B. So wow. I mean, that is like Lil B. Nice. Lil B. Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> that's a based list if I ever heard one. It is, yeah. Like so, uh, Liz Dykeman, who we had on the show earlier, she's a Leo, and like anytime Leos come up, I'm like, okay, we're gonna have a good time. These people are gonna love this because you guys have, I think, the best group. Um, so a little bit about Leo. Uh, you are a fire sign. Uh, you've got that fiery energy in you, and that's one of four elements. You can be water, air, or earth. You have fire in you, and then the quality of your fire and as uh you are a fixed fire sign the options are uh if there's three of those there could be fixed mutable or oh my god oh my god wait fixed mutable or cardinal there it is my mom was just freaking out in the chat watching me do yep, <laughs> that is the cardinal my, in the yep chat. she got there thanks mom. <laughs> bro i'm just gone off this bush bro yeah. like sorry it's the vibe it's the chill vibes anyway so you have fixed energy, so you're really righteously into that fire. Um, some uh, we okay. So what we're gonna do now with this, instead of reading a horoscope and have someone reflect on this sort of invented sentence out of the world, uh, we're gonna focus more on the traits of Leo, and 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 Justin will have you reflect on uh, those those ideas associated with that, and then we're gonna ask you uh, if that has you think shown itself in your work at all and this is kind of the new path we're taking with the show so um i'm just going to read what the site says um and we'll get into it a little bit it says as strengths that you are creative passionate generous warm-hearted cheerful and humorous and it says weaknesses but who's to say some weaknesses are strengths uh arrogant stubborn self-centered lazy inflexible so Justin, do you feel like with all those in mind, again, we've got some creativity, we've got some self-centeredness, but we're also generous, but we're also arrogant, we're cheerful, but we're stubborn. How do, do you feel like any of those kind of traits have shown up in your work at all? Um, absolutely. I think humorous for sure. <clears throat> um, I feel like I can definitely be stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm like... You know, if I'm in a project and I think that's uh, 
know, sometimes I, I'm kind of a lone wolf. I don't get a whole lot of uh, people in the studio to kind of give me some some good harsh critique. Um, but <clears throat> if I like, if I'm running with something and a good friend of mine that I respect, you know, or a good peer um, says they don't like it, you know, sometimes I'll just I'll specifically put that piece in the show just as a zinger, you know. I'm a little stunning about that. <laughs> Damn. That's, even, if, uh, even if later on, like, maybe they were right, might still stick it in there, you know. So I think no. that I think a lot of that applies for sure. Well, and uh, you would actually just before the show, uh, we had mentioned a Gemini Kanye West, and there was a, a lyric he, that you had mentioned. If you, I think it's applicable to the moment you're saying right now. Uh, if you wouldn't mind repeating that line. Oh sure, yeah. Just just when they like you, make them unlike you. I feel like that uh, that defines my art career pretty well. Well, and I, you know, I think that, that that can take us into a zillion spaces, but like, you know, I think that these Leos, I mean, these people like Lil B, like he's, he's based, he's the only rapper to have a, a, a book out uh, at the age of 20 or 21. I think that was his Twitter like bio for like many years. He follows everyone on planet earth and like, he just does his own thing. You know, I feel like all of these, these particular rappers, especially just like they're known to be like, like our eyebrows were raised, like, whoa, them too, them too. Like, mm-hmm. they're not messing around, you know? And I, I think that that kind of pursuit in someone's work to kind of just be like, I mean, it has that paid off for you in a way, like to like the second that you just, you, you, they like you, you just, dis, they dislike you. Like, has that been, have there been like good moments, bad moments with that? Um, yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that, you know, within my like peer group, I think it's always, I feel like by this time, they probably understand that I might, you know, switch it up, but it's always in a, in a good hearted, like humorous way. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, the other viewers that are involved aren't familiar with me like too much. I don't know if probably like what, you know, what the hell is happening? Like, yeah. Is he doing this now? Um, right. At the same time, like, you know, I feel like I I feel better about, you know, the project or whatever I'm working on if the peers that I respect are into it. Um, it's kind of like I'm kind of making work for them sometimes anyways, not really the broad audience. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like the work that, like, I've done, I'm not a Leo. I am a Pisces. Um, that I feel like that where we, like, forgot the audience basically and just did exactly and only what we wanted to do i think is when like my art has been like most successful um like do you do you feel like that's that's happened with you as well um i think i mean and rick tell you know chime in here too but i think when you go to art school i think Mm. your audience is kind of pounded into your head like you have to you're always considering like who the audience is for the work that you're making and thinking about how that is going to kind of dictate certain moves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like sometimes you just have to say, fuck it. I'm just going to make whatever I want. And I think sometimes that does end up being the better work. And then post that, then you go in and you come up with something of, you know, your audience and why you made those decisions. But really you're just like, fuck it. That's what I want to make. Yeah. Totally. Which is, I, 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 so yeah, I think, um, the 
the kind of insular nature of art institutions they create these like bastardized ideas of like what an audience is and then we talk about this like nonsensical audience or or it's it's just like so wrapped up in uh, I don't know like audience until I started making work like in the world felt um uh, it, it never really felt real uh, the, the way that I experience like my audience now um is so different to what like I was imagining an audience feels like or imagining an audience to be in those times where I was asked to engage in those ideas um because like the act of participation I think really helps clarify those those ideas more quickly um, Tempest in the chat says his work has a base in astrological mindset and Justin's work has a long cord tied to a central theme, which I definitely hear here as well. Is that like, you know, like sometimes the central theme can be just ourselves and our own, uh, quiddity, our own, you know, way of looking at the world and these series or engaging in the creation of works are, fundamentally just an extension of that and we do find all of these ways that these pieces and these works intertwine over time because there are certain parts of us that remain the same and remain unchanging definitely yeah <clears throat> well and i think too that you know i i some of my my favorite artists truly and and i'm sure there's some part of my chart that makes <clears throat> sense as to why i would appreciate this but my favorite is when an artist can completely pivot to something else and like i i do like the the like micro change like oh like this they're adding this now like there's this but there's this plus this now you know but then someone who can successfully do a 180 creatively i think is is also extremely cool um, and it may be not even a 180, maybe a 90, you know, not as impressive on Thrasher Mag, but, you know, still cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> no one celebrates the 90. The 90 should get celebration, too. But, um, you know, I, I think that, like, you know, part of, like, being arrogant or stubborn is also, like, having pride and, like, caring about what you're doing and, and taking that moment to, like, I think, like, creativity plus arrogance or, like, creativity plus, like, passionate plus stubborn is actually like a really good thing that's actually like nine times out of ten is really actually an excellent thing and um and what i'm curious too has there ever been a time like as you grew in your career like to have you felt like it was hard to be arrogant like you you felt timid to that or, or have you had no issues with like taking up space as an artist <clears throat> no i mean i think i i think i struggle and did struggle even more at the beginning of I always it did feel weird to be like what when i was younger <clears throat> excuse me i always thought it would be interesting to be a famous artist because they knew your work but they had no idea who you were what you looked like unless that was part of your art um so i always liked that idea of like your work's respected but nobody knows what you look like so they couldn't like pick you out of a crowd or whatever yeah you know even even authors you know there's a picture of them in the back of the book or whatever so if you really wanted to find them in a crowd you could but i like the idea of you know when i was younger being a painter and if i happened to you know make some success that nobody could come up to me and be like hey are you the artist that yeah. was intriguing to me. 
interesting because uh, I, I you know a lot of these i think these the rappers we certainly brought up like to be very much in the spotlight but they also chose the path that puts them in the spotlight too so maybe your you your passion for not wanting to be in the spotlight is is just just as intense but just the other direction which <laughs> i think comes with with a lot of fun uh abilities and that and it's interesting you say that too because i always think about authors being able to have that like perfect balance of like anonymity while also being like their books have reached millions but i've, I've never for some reason thought about like artists just as well if in fact if not more because like you're saying their book like every art piece of you doesn't have a photo of you next to it or in the behind it you know like you really can carry that that other space really well so yeah, and unless you're like reading bios or you know watching films about an artist where they have an actor like play it and look similar like you know does anybody really know what de Kooning looks like that hasn't like <laughs> dug deep or you know okay. we all know what Pollock looks like because of the films you know and Warhol of course because that's what it was all about but um, there's so many artists that like I can go in a museum and be like oh that's so-and-so that's so-and-so that's so-and-so but if you had a lineup of them I'm not gonna you know, I, I could no guess way. But it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. <laughs> For sure. All right, cool. Well, um, that's a good primer to the conversation that we're going to have when we come back. So we're gonna take a, a short break here. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks to everyone watching so far. We're gonna take a short ten minute break, um, and then when we come back, we are going to take parts of what we've talked about so far and some new starting points and dive deeper into Justin's work and his practice. And, whoa, okay. We got some uh, gift subs here from Big Monstera. We got gift sub to Denise, Caitlin Zira. Oh, wow. Uh, Sage, Leech, and Wynn. Thanks, Big Monstera. So, so yeah, we have this. Um, wow. I think that, uh, yeah, so so thank you for that. Thanks for sending the subs. And that puts us. <laughs> keeps, I've been in there for a while, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thanks for the gift subs. <laughs> this has never happened before. Why is it all happening right at once? Which I guess is a good thing. But... Well, they, they gifted five at once. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so we got that, and then um, that takes us one away from our mukbang, and oh we have some stuff to talk about about that when we get back. So awesome. um, thanks, Big Monstera. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you all again in about 10 minutes. Okay, we're back. Hello. Um, so, so yeah, never had five gift subs in a row, and that was <laughs> wild. So thanks again. Um, and then over the break, Boogie Nights resubbed. So that gives us the 15 uh, subs that we were asking for for the mukbang. So thanks, Boogie Nights. Um, this is all your fault, what's, what's happening now. Uh, Jake and I, we've been – we've had this planned – <laughs> right we've been asking for this because uh, you know we appreciate the money and yeah we appreciate you all getting access to the sub subscriber emotes and we do the whole thing you know 
Um, so we love that. But now we're going to do a mukbang. And we had a feeling that this was going to happen. So we had it all yeah. planned out. Yeah. Um, so so just for those who haven't watched before, um, we I've talked at length about how on birthdays, uh, I will eat... Uh, our family members will, will make pancakes the amount of pancakes that you are aged that day. So uh, I'm coming up on my 29th birthday, God forbid. Uh, and uh, in uh, I so we will have there will be 29 pancakes eaten on that birthday. But Rick's birthday is coming up two actually days. in two days. Yeah, Tuesday. Good lord. So. Honestly, perfect timing. So we're just going to go ahead and do a pancake mukbang, I guess. And now it's actually happening. So thank you guys for that. Yeah. It's just going to happen now. (laughs) Next Sunday. We didn't have a guest anyway, so it fits right (laughs) in. Okay, well, perfect. Even better. (laughs) Fantastic. So everyone prepare to watch us eat an inordinate amount of pancakes. That was, oh, good Lord. I am... The, the the secret is is I've never actually eaten all of the pancakes uh-huh. that I am served. Well, now so you I actually all of these years of training have really been like with a wink and a nod, and now it's like I really got to put my money where my mouth is. So I'm gonna put my pancakes where my mouth is instead, and here we go. So, all right, awesome. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, y'all can look forward to that. Put it on your calendar next Sunday uh, for our Watch brunch. Jake We're gonna get uncomfortable. Get some pancakes. Yes. Um, back to back to the conversation that we were having. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Appreciate your patience. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm all about pancakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in this in this section of the the show, we want to really just focus on your work and and get into some of the depths of your work. I think a a, a good place to start these conversations is um, I think I'm curious about your uh your creative upbringings or your experience of creativity as a child and how those things kind of first started to manifest in your life sure um so i was never i don't remember a whole lot about like young childhood um but apparently i was insanely hyper um and i you know Difficulty learning because I was just kind of all over the board. Um, instead of medicating me, my parents stuck me in uh, gymnastics. So I was like a competitive oh, cool. gymnast until I was 16. Oh, cool. Um, but I was really, I was always interested in like drawing and, you know, coloring, making things. Um, I had a lot of support from my family. <clears throat> They're probably like, uh, well, let's push this because we're not sure what else he's going to do type of situation. <laughs> but um i i had a lot of support and i um you know when i was in high school i didn't get good grades in other classes i i took every single art class that was available and those were available towards the end of my years i you know would be assistance to the art teacher to get those credits or whatnot in high school um <clears throat> my high school art teachers were really supportive um like hugely supportive i was planning on going to the art institute or i wanted to go to the art institute in kansas city right out of high school and my ceramics teacher was like hey like i've got connections at this community college in this small town which is in sedalia missouri i don't know if anybody's familiar mm-hmm. uh, 
they had they had a really good um art program there and while i still fucked off there um i you know i worked really hard in studio and i feel like that's really where i learned to paint uh the professor there i think he's retired now but his name was doug freed <clears throat> he's a actually career artist he shows with um I th he used to show with sherry leedy in kansas city but he does you know colorful kind of um landscapes okay mm -hmm. uh, and then but I, I i feel like that's where i really learned to paint because they basically like gave us what the tools we needed and then really encouraged us to just experiment with everything um they also have a pretty interesting collection at the community college there. There's a very wealthy person that is buying up a bunch of art. Um, and they actually built a museum later on called the, um, the Dom museum, D A U M. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a great collection. So I was around, you know, art, even though I was in this super small town, there was really nothing else to do except for party and make art. Um, I met a lot of really good people there. Um, and yeah, we did all sorts of crazy things, you know, I'm thing I was just painting all the time. Um, <clears throat> and in fact, the, the Dom museum still has one of my favorite Frankenthaler paintings hmm. um, that I've seen. So they've got some cool stuff. So I was able to see where they would take us to Kansas city, take us to all the gallery openings. Um, just things that, you know, they really introduced me to, Know, what was happening in the Midwest art scene. And I feel like that's really kind of where I have my like grounding of, you know, my art practice today. It was a really good experience. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like you said, really grounding. It sounds like they were very supportive of, of like growing that interest in you and, and providing that uh, environmental space. And, and that's something that, I think is is really key in all of our developments is is finding those environments that that really support us. So Sedalia is like forty five minutes out of Kansas City, something like that, or is it further? Um, it's about forty five minutes to an hour. Um, it's okay. past Warrensburg. It's like twenty minutes past Warrensburg. Mm -hmm. um, if you're like headed from Kansas City to Columbia, Missouri. Hmm. Uh, I had access to Columbia too. So I was able to kind of, you know, I saw oh, great concerts. Yeah. yeah. Um, we would go see shows there at the university, um, go to Kansas city when we could. Uh, it was just like, it was a nice location. It was super cheap to live there. Mm -hmm. I washed dishes at a, like the whitest Mexican restaurant ever. <laughs> um, I'm talking like, you know, cheese sauce, like it, on yeah. everything. Um, wow. But it was a, it was a great experience. I met, a ton of weirdos um you know the the theater department at the community college you know they threw really cool parties i met a lot of really amazing creative people there that you know kind of dispersed out and did cool things on their own as adults um but one of the things too at the community college the in the library they had a really good collection of art magazines so would skip my normal classes and I would go to the library and I would read modern painter and art forum and all of these things that, you know, I really like got to know what was happening in the bigger art world mm -hmm. and really kind of built up my 
Rolodex of artists that I respect and that influence me. Um, because of that, you know, of course, I got bad grades because I didn't go to my normal classes. But I feel like I did get an education in contemporary art during that time that doesn't do anything for me on paper. But I feel like I learned a lot. Just the fact that Small Town Library had those up-to-date magazines, I think, was huge. I, I just have to jump in here and just say that I'm feeling very at home in your experience because I, I also went to community college, not necessarily for art, but would be... Uh, around or near the art wing and feel very like peaceful but also my mom is a librarian and like growing up and just spending like day in day out just hanging out at the library or like waiting for mom to get off work or just like hanging out in the office so like the idea of like being in places where you wouldn't expect things like this to come from like a, a small town community college library that would have these amazing you know like magazine subscriptions that actually educated you um i just i feel like I'm, i i almost feel like that's more normal like than anything else like you know i remember like finding like a my bloody valentine cd at like the saint charles missouri library and feeling like like at the time being like oh i've heard about this and now like reflecting on it, like who the hell bought that like who who like made loveless uh, a priority on their list and like but at the same time like in sedalia like like who made you know art forum a, a, a priority for for the library and i'm i'm so like like do you like do you feel like you would be who you are today without like that specific like community college experience absolutely not um i don't know i don't know what would have happened you know if i would have directly went to the kansas city art institute um, I probably wouldn't have been able to afford it because at that time, right out of high school, my portfolio, to be honest, probably wasn't ACAI material, you know, specifically to get a scholarship. So, yeah, I think that that allowed me to, like, build a portfolio to then get a scholarship to the Art Institute. Um, but also, I just, it was a place, to, I feel like, too, that it was probably more freeing um, to spend my first year and a half at the community college versus going to, into foundation at the Art Institute. I feel like, you know, I was, I wasn't on like crazy long rigid schedules. It wasn't that military, like you have to stay up all night to finish these projects and super harsh critiques. It was more of a, here's what you need to make art and you guys should just go do it. And then we still had critiques and they were still very critical. But just felt like a more laid back kind of ease into it and more of like cultivation of creative practice. Mm -hmm. Like they were really like I was experimenting with, you know, super weird stuff. And while the professors didn't like it, like they were like pushing me to kind of do like all of these expansive things that I was I was doing. Um, and yeah, just the there was probably a better library honestly at kansas city you know or whatever but um it was enough to kind of jump start me into what i needed yeah um tempest in the chat says got to develop a philosophy about your work and uh, i think that was in reference to you know getting all of that source material and, and understanding the contemporary moment um and i want to take us from there uh actually skipping over Kansas City Art Institute because that's what I like to do and and talk <laughs> about like you did 
go to UMKC for art history and you studied that deeper. Um, so it's kind of in that same vein of like developing this philosophy around your work. I, I'm curious if your time studying art history, if you viewed it as like an opportunity to stabilize yourself in art because sometimes people go into art history as a way of um, like uh, an addendum to like themselves as like a creative person because then you have these skills that you could potentially use in other spaces or if you explored the degree in art history as like a supplement directly to your creative art practice. So that was an interesting time my life that so I dropped out of KCAI and then I kind of took an eight-year break mm -hmm. I was honestly not making that much work at all mm -hmm. I was still going to shows when I could to kind of see what was happening you know in Kansas City but I pretty much stopped making work okay and um I just kind of I I kind of just partied for eight years and um you know I worked to be able to afford to party and pay rent when I could, even though I was always late, you know, but I just, that eight years is kind of like this weird, there was hardly any, there was art appreciation on my end. I was still reading magazines. I'd still go to the library all the time on my own time, but I wasn't making anything. So when I decided to stop drinking, of course I had to switch careers and cause I was a wine salesman. That was a super scary time. So I was like, well, maybe now's the time to go back to school and finish my degree. Mm -hmm. And because I wasn't making a lot then, but I was reading a lot and looking at a lot of work, it felt art history degree felt like more relevant at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I got back into the art history program at UMKC, I immediately started making work again. Okay. Um, but I think that um, kind of academic art history um, background that I got from that, it's really funny because when I was at the Art Institute, um, I hated the art history classes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just like, I'm like, you know, I, I was young and I was like, why are we, you know, I don't want to learn about this. Like, you know, I understand now that you need that foundation of understanding because that's how art works. Like it's all especially like academic, all like you know, referencing everything that's happened in the past. Um, but when I was younger, I was like, Oh God, I don't, you know, I don't want to learn about this. I, you know, I want to learn about what's happening now. Um, sorry. My dog is snoring like crazy. I don't know <laughs> if you can hear it. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily a calculated decision to get my art history degree. Uh-huh. And I thought that I kind of found a loophole because I felt like I was way far behind in my career because I took an eight year break. All my other friends are already in grad school or have graduated grad school and are not teaching. I'm still trying to get my undergrad. So I thought, well, I'm interested in art. I'm not making work right now. So why don't I get my under, finish my undergrad in art history. And then the plan was, oh, then I'll go get my MFA get back into studio and then you know, then I can, oh, then I'll teach. And then I realized all my friends that were then getting into the teaching world, I realized that was a really hard career path to take. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, that whole plan was foiled a little bit in my head, but 
it really wasn't calculated. It was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction of, I got to switch careers. I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Um, maybe let's get my under, finish my undergrad in art history and see what happens. Cool. Yeah. And, and I think that um, you put that really well because uh, those, those things interact with one another. Uh, I mean, art history, obviously, and um, art making or, or like what a, what a BFA would be. Um, but in some ways, I, I just I just wanted to know your particular path through that because um, there's a lot of people that uh, get into undergrad art history and they're not making at all during during that time. You know, their work is um, heavily research based, and uh, you know they're they're not painting. Um, so to know that you went back and it kind of like reactivated this uh, this urge to make inside of you. Um, is good to know. So then, and we'll get into your work here in a moment, but I guess then just um, could you walk us through when, like, you, uh, the way that I always think about it is, like, taking taking inside the word artist again or taking inside, like, making again or uh, the simplest way we can talk about it is, like, did you f stop referring to yourself as an artist at some point, and then did you begin to refer to yourself as an artist again at some point after that experience? Um, I think I always referred to myself as an artist. Um, I like to usually when people ask, like, "Oh, are you an artist?" I usually say, "Unfortunately." <laughs> um, <laughs> And sometimes I, I really feel, I also like to refer to the drive to create as almost uh, a um, compulsive disorder mm -hmm. where if you're not making, like you're all jumbled and kind of crazy in your head and the act of making work um, kind of calms that down. So it really does kind of feel like a compulsive disorder to me where I feel like I have, it's like make work or die type of situation sometimes. I see. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I've always referred to myself as an artist. Okay. Fortunately. Yeah. Well, there is, there is strength and power in it. Uh, I believe. Um, but there are those other things that are a part of it. I think um, determining that for yourself and owning that isn't just owning uh, a lot of the the pretty things that people think about um, being being creative, being an artist, or or having the drive to create. I think that gives us an opportunity to honor all of just like <laughs> all of the dysfunction that comes comes along with having to like produce um, these objects for our nests that. Uh, have ver very varying levels of value and constantly being kind of confronted with that. Um, okay, so let's move over here to uh, some images of the work so viewers in our audience can, can get a sense of where your work has been and then we'll get into where your work is now. Um, personally, my favorite image from the slides that you sent over uh, 
is, is this work here. I'll zoom in on it briefly so people can get an understanding of what these are. Um, not only are they bottles adorned with different like patterned duct tapes, it's kind of what it looks like to me, um, but they are also bongs. And then <laughs> they are uh, situated on this like really beautiful piece of furniture that I have like no frame of reference for what like what is what is the object that they're on what, are we, what is this <laughs> it's actually a plant stand a plant stand okay oh, that I makes sense that. um so okay. so yeah this is this is one of the works that you sent over and and this is from the past um but i just i i think it's uh i think it's beautiful boogie knight says thought it was a candle stand yeah similar it could be. Um, I've seen them used as plant stands. Um, yeah, this was a really this was a really fun fun piece to make. I uh, actually reason this piece came to be. Um, there's a really cool group of people called Terry Radio. That you know, it's a bunch of DJs that make super dope music, and they have. Um, you know, they've done some really cool things for me. Um, did a silent headphone dance party at one of my shows early on. And then they asked me and a collaborator of mine named Tim Brown to kind of decorate one of their warehouse parties. They'd done a, an installation at another warehouse space called Negative Space, RIP, um, that was a lot of fun. And they asked us to do an installation for one of their warehouse parties and my buddy Tim makes really cool like light sculptures. And so he did the lighting and I ended up just kind of like going hard in my studio on making all of these homemade bongs. And part of it is like, you know, my childhood, like smoking out of cans or making gravity bongs out of bottles and things like that. When I could basically like, a scrapper for getting high. Um, <laughs> I was like, then, you know, when I started getting really into uh, the internet and all of the different things that were happening, there was a whole kind of subculture of YouTube videos that you know, most of them are like craft, like, you know, here, let's make this home craft project. Um, but then I started to find like, there were the crafters that were making kind of, objects to smoke weed out of and I started finding all of these insane videos of people making these ridiculously elaborate bongs out of just stuff they have around the house I found them really beautiful um, and the fact that you know they weren't objects but seeing them in my eyes I was like these are amazing sculptures that these people are making and while I would love to you know show theirs as work I don't know these people and I'm not going to reach out to them. Um, <laughs> I just like, I went really hard. I started just collecting stuff that I thought would look good together. Mm -hmm. um, patterns, things like that. And I just started making these trash bongs and I made so many of them. And then, you know, we dispersed them throughout this party and, you know, it was, a, it was so much fun. And then I ended up getting, you know, a show later, which is what this image is from at Hawk Contemporary. 
peers told me that I finally needed to get back and have a commercial gallery show on my CV because I've been showing at all these artist spaces and doing all these like, you know, kind of what I consider like slacker art projects that were just a lot of fun. Um, they were like, you need to get your shit together. Like you need to, you need to show somewhere big again. So let's do it. So I put my like artist suit on and put a proposal together. And then I snuck this piece in last minute um, after I kind of had the whole concept together. And so these were all the bongs that um, were party favors at the party. And I, Turned them into a, uh, you know, super contemporary piece. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious, and we don't have to deep dive too much on on this particular piece because now we got a lot of other work to get to. But um, is is there like a certain reason why? Because I I can see there's like kind of cans in cans and like bottles in bottles. Like, is there a certain reason why you chose like certain brands? And I have to say specifically, the one I enjoy the most is the Surge inside of the what looks like a Starbucks cup, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, it is inside starbucks and I, I think at least just my initial thought is like what is what is surge to a child is starbucks to an adult and that that kind of inside of that is is just really brilliant but yeah i'm, I'm very curious about like the choice of bottle sure so um one thing that i am really interested in is like why certain patterns or colors or things are kind of utilized by a lot of online um, online happenings and things. And you know, part of the reason I think that the kind of kind of tie-dye psychedelic thing is coming back because it looks so good on screen. Mm. And, you know, in the art world, we thinking about, you know, we stopped really thinking about what looks good in person for a while. And we were more interested in how it looked on the monitor. Um, and I think a lot of work, there was like a time frame where a lot of work, like that was the aesthetic consideration. Not what it looked like in person, but what it looked like on, on screen. And so I started picking, you know, not only labels and things like Arizona, LaCroix, things that were starting to kind of be their own hip memes, but also like, I think part of the reason they became so hip is because they look super dope on the monitor mm. or on your phone screen. It pops. And so I started finding like, you know, very colorful labels, um, combinations that were together so like the surge and the starbucks you know it's all it's greens it's all play on greens um the reason the technical reason that there's bottles and bottles was to make it a bubbler right <laughs> oh so, you know, so you can make like a you can imitate like a fancy blown glass bubbler by poking holes in the bottom of bottles sticking those inside bottles um where the oxygen flows into the first one it kind of bubbles out into the the bigger vessel. So it was a, it's like a flashy functionality. Um, but then I'm also considering brand aesthetics, uh, color aesthetics. And those were all the decisions I was kind of like using to make that. Incredible. That's awesome. A couple of things from the chat here. Um, <laughs> Boogie Knight says, I want to see a hundred of these in the Catholic church. Uh, <laughs> Tippus says, um, where the hell is Tim? Also scum rigs is the name of this piece which Ooh. is a sick name. And then uh, Easy Maestro says, now this is my speed. <laughs> What's up, Easy? Um, well, so, yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a story that Easy knows, um, one of my friends in real life, that just came to me moments before they said something in the chat. 
there was this um there is like a lot of a lot of interesting like DIY like anarchist cookbook for stoners kind of things that a lot of my like really amazing stoner friends got into and um one night uh I went to like a previous like an old friend's house like one of those like OG homies one like the first guy I smoked weed with and he just like started smoking weed and kept smoking weed um you know in in greater and greater quantities but he had this like two liter of pepsi and then this like old lays bag that was like taped to the inside of the two liter and the bowl was on the cap and when you lit the bowl you could pull out the lays bag and it was he called it a lung which was like basically a gravity bong without water yeah and yeah easy easy knows what i'm talking about in the chat but like first of all like i got i gained a lot of respect for him that night that that was the just the method that he was using because let me tell you it worked uh (laughs) but um with the lung yeah so so yeah that juxtaposition of these like consumer products um these like highly consumed products like pepsi and lays but being like joined in this special way to create this like nasty punch to the lung (laughs) yeah it's so fascinating and i'm sure a lot of people's early experiences are smoking out of something not as decorative but very similar Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the can pipe was crucial as a child you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and um there and i want to like speak freely about those things um not as a way of like uh, hyping them up and telling people to do it like you definitely like make your own choices but I kind of wish like a lot of those things weren't illegal you know and that I had like records of these like moments with friends to kind of these like group creative and collaborative experiences around like illicit drug use you know like the gravity bong is like such an amazing object to me because of the ingenuity and the creativity uh surrounding it and that's just what this piece this piece like takes me back to that time and and then also to have the like bubblers in there is like the next level you know it's not just it's not just like a you know just straight into the bottle but there's like care and craft and all of those things are considered with it as well well i'm just briefly gonna say like the bubbler like when you go to a shop and you buy like you know a rick and morty bong or something that like it like it's funny because it's like theoretically like lowbrow culture or like i'm pickle rick as like a piece but like someone had to make that out of glass you know like they actually some serious craft went into that even with like the culture association (laughs) with it because i feel like this actually is like it plays into the like it still has the same kind of looks and association but you're saying like why not just skip a step and just like allow these colors to exist in a way that would you know kind of play off of these things but i i just it's so brilliant though i think the way that you're you're just skipping that step but doesn't it doesn't remove any of the care is what i mean to say by that i think that's a that's a big point of my work i think um i bring a lot of found objects in Mm -hmm. and it actually caused me some prop like theoretical problems when i was younger specifically in art school because like why are we like, why are we not like why are we trying to paint this when we already have it like let's just <laughs> you know let's just bring it in yeah, you know totally. and so i utilize a lot of found object that way i'm like 
know, this, this exists, you know, I probably, I'm sure there are a lot of critical people out there that don't respect my work as much when they find out that, you know, I didn't dye the sheet here, but I found it at a head shop. But that's part of it for me. Like part of my studio practice is going to thrift stores, going to head shops, going to new age shops. Uh, I consider that, you know, part of my studio practice. Totally. Like looking for that, you know, a lot of times I don't know what it is I'm looking for yet. And it just kind of reveals itself on the shelf of the thrift store. And I'm like, that is what I needed to really elevate that painting. Totally. Yeah. And 90% of that stuff that you see is, is trash and like doesn't, isn't relevant. You know, 99% of the stuff that you're combing through, uh, you know, like uh, probably isn't stuff that fits inside of your creative practice. And I think that that's, that's something that's also important to know as, as like this, uh, first of all, like the traveling to these places, the networks and the communities that form from you, like consistently going to these areas to search out alternative materials, if we want to talk about them that way. And then again, like the whole ready-made process of selection, there's, there's like lots and lots of care in that side of the practice from what I see. You're not just going and picking up everything that is tie-dye or you know, just any, any old objects. I, I, I don't imagine. I might be, but it may not end up in the work. Oh yeah. And then I have to figure out what to do with my hoarding <laughs> of tie-dye. <laughs> you know, I'm like, most of my wardrobe is tie-dye shirts that I found at the thrift store that didn't make it into a piece. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, and that's even part of the fun too. You become your own, your own piece of your own art. You are your own art at that point. <laughs> right. Like a care, I'm a caricature of my paintings. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, specifically like this piece here, like I actually, I was like thinking about how you're saying like, okay, well, I didn't like hand dye this myself. I found this at a head shop. Like, I feel like I think about like, like, you know, everyone talks about how like you need like limitations on your creative practice. Like you need to set like kind of goalposts around what you intend to do, because then that's where the magic happens is what they were able to do within those limitations. And like when, if you were to say like, yeah, I hand dyed this, I added all these things and then I hung it up behind this thing. And then it's, you know, the whole wall, like I almost feel like that's like too much for a viewer to even understand at some point. Like I, 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 I at least personally, and I, I feel like as someone who's very much just a into this art in general, but I feel like it's almost makes more sense to me that this is a found object piece of work. And that like, it actually says a lot more to me as a found object. So I'm curious, like in those conversations you have had with me, uh, fellow creatives or maybe even professors, like kind of that haggle or that like argument of like, I, I like, where do you get, do you get joy from it being a found object versus like a, I went out and hand dyed it. Like what, what drives, what draws you to that? I do. Um, I mean, a lot of my influences are, you know, derivative of, I mean, I feel like we, you have to talk about Duchamp. For sure. The found object. And um, just the lineage of that idea and then, you know, how that evolved into appropriation and how I, you know, I love appropriation art. And I just the, when I started learning about conceptual art when I was younger, Know, it kind of blew my mind and I think you touched on something that brought up this idea to me it's like as an artist I think you also have to understand your limitations and there are going to be a lot of things that you're just not good at yeah <laughs> and 
you know, I saw a really good meme that hit super close to home. It's like all of those that couldn't draw an art school or conceptual artist now. And I think that's very true in my state, you know, you know, I can, I was never good at, you know, making realist work and it feels silly to try to cram, you know, that peg in the wrong hole. Like, why am I going to be a, you know, a landscape painter yeah um you know you're not good at it so i think it's part of it is understanding like you know, what you are good at and i think one thing that i that i am good at is basically like somebody did a i was part of the charlotte street um studio residency program in kansas city which is a really cool program you know Super you get a cool. studio for a year it's amazing um but they do open studios where the public can come in and Somebody just like, I just remember somebody was really having a hard time understanding what I was doing. And my explanation to them, like outside of the art world, I was like, and when you, when you're stacking books on your coffee table, like you make a point, like which book is visible on top? You know, are you, are you conscious about Know, the book that's more visible to people are you are you stacking them in color combinations that you think look good in the environment and that's really sometimes all i'm doing i'm just arranging things in aesthetically pleasing arrangements um that fits within the space that the work is in and i think that you know in that sense i always say too like i'm basically a an abstract like traditional formalist it's mm -hmm. what i'm doing at the base level I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's such, I just feel like that example like cuts through so so easily because I mean like uh, the assembling the curatorial aspect of life like why I want my shirts in a certain order you know just even in your closet in, like a very functional way but like there is an aesthetic piece of that and I think like a big mission of this show and I think just of I would say like minds here of like accessibility you know and to kind of like yes you're not you know Thomas Kincaid or something because. <laughs> God for why would you want to be? But at the same time, like I, I think that like a lot of conceptual art like this can like when you are a formalist, when you have these things, are are actually incredible avenues for people to enter and be like, oh, I can like like you know, and it is the whole like I can do this, and so you know like, but you didn't, and but it's like, but you did too, you did because you have yeah. more accurately, you know what I mean? And I think that's a that's a beautiful example to use. Yeah. A couple of things from chat here. So Tempest says, uh, uh, this was a little bit earlier, um, but I do want to read it. A failure of the age of Aquarius, a response to the conservatism of our time, especially millennials like the 1960s never happened. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if that comes from something in your work, but um, wanted to bring that up. And then also Tempest says, Headshop, Headshop was a great piece. And I don't know if we have that slide. Um, if you... It if you have my site up, I do have on a drop down menu. It's it's hashtag headshop. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Also, hello Tempest. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tempest. Yeah. One of my biggest fans. Oh, very good. <laughs> Love to have the, so yeah, hashtag the hardcore This was a project with my collaborator Tim Brown it's and fun. another artist named Dean Roper. Uh, he's a ceramic artist, uh, makes really cool stuff too. But basically, um, we were all Charlotte Street residents at the same time. 
and we made we basically recreated a head shop in a space for a big charlotte street opening and it was so much fun to make um basically like you know all the memories you had of going into head shops throughout your life we just kind of like tried to throw all of that in together with a little bit of humor um dean made all of the ceramic bongs um all came together like really well we had a lot of fun um you know, tim like dressed up in this ridiculous outfit he had a white wig and like played guitar we just played old uh live dead tapes in there and like <laughs> we just blew people out with incense um yeah. it was a really good time you know just this environmental installation um it was fun for like it wasn't difficult like anybody that came in there you know you didn't have to think too hard about it you could just be like this space looks really cool like you know even if i don't know exactly what's going on here but um zip it was a really, oh i love these yeah uh, yeah this is very i mean it's it's amazing these these little things like i feel like when, when was this installation oh god 2014 um, yeah that's that's very early for zip ties i'm just gonna say like Zip ties are, you know, I, I mean, they're popular, but I, I feel like I'm feeling such a connection to zip ties right now in my work. And I'm seeing <laughs> it like really propagate across like the art handler mags, you know, like the mm. the the Mark Rothko's on the at Mark Rothko's, you know, like all of this. Um, when it, I mean, it's very like Virgil Abloh, too, obviously. Mm. So I don't know. I'm just thinking about like, like, what if we just. I always think about head shops as like, but what if we got more high? <laughs> <laughs> like working in a head shop is like, yeah, I know, but like, what if we got more high? And yeah. and then I feel like that's a really good for what this was. Like, <laughs> how can we how can we make this even higher? Totally. <laughs> and you guys are super successful with that, clearly, because like, yeah, I mean, you walk into a head shop and you feel like you're on another planet if it's a good one. Yeah. You know, and it's like if you can take that to the next, 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 next level, like that's super incredible. Because I just think I I don't know I'm I'm feeling like nostalgia for this installation, and I wasn't even a part of it. I'm thinking like, <laughs> wow, this was probably like a super fun time in your life, like making this with the homies and just kind of asking that question, like, oh, you know, I found this lid, like this screw cap <laughs> lid, like bro, where'd you even get that? I don't even know, man. You know, like I'm, I just, I have this nostalgia for like what these conversations were and, and I wasn't there. Again, I don't know if you noticed, but those are all, those are all roach clips. Oh my God. Hanging with the tapes and the lid. Oh, so sick. Those are just like ridiculously oh, they're all absurd okay. decorative roach. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But like you did invite us into this party, like we're in it right now. You know what I mean? Like you, and also I have to say these these photos are incredible. Like you guys documented, like I think the the necessary light of this place. Like I feel like I'm very much in the space. I think this this was really successful. Anytime I collaborate with Tim, um, he usually does all the photos. It's really it's. I beat myself up sometimes, but um, I just I that's one thing I never really learned how to do technically. Mm -hmm. I skipped that part of art school, I guess, where you learn how to like take good pictures. So I've always uh, traded for people to document my shows or 
know, just found ways to, to get it done. But Tim does a really good job. Amazing. Yeah. Transition into work. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think, yeah, the, the photos are good. I, I mean, again, it's, it's that, it's that screen worthiness, uh, that you were talking about of, of like making work for the photograph, making work like for the documentate, the documentation, um, but then also being able to thread that needle and making work that functions in reality super well, but also is photographable and is shareable on Instagram. Like uh, there, there are numerous shows where recent, you know, before, you know, like before we couldn't easily go to art shows, but like, I I was starting to really get the sense of artists playing in this liminal space between like marketing their show through its Instagram worthiness, but trying mm -hmm. to like resolve that in their work, not just making work that is Instagram worthy, but has that as just an element that's obviously like relevant to our position um, as a, as a more resolved element of the work. And that's, that's what I see, you know, that, that piece in 2014, is is pre Instagram story, um, which it seems like the Instagram story is so ubiquitous at this point of yeah. like sharing and posting. But if that was existing now in the same exact way, uh, it's it's very story worthy without undermining its its like physical value. Okay. Yeah, uh, so, something I'm thinking about. I like that. Um, but we are we're coming up on our next break and. We really did just a okay. kind of like a, a retrospective of some of these these different things, but we have some uh, more current work that you shared with us that we want to get into. So we have about 20 or 30 minutes after our break where we can spend time doing that, and then we'll bring it back out away from the work and talk more about, um, you know, just kind of keep the conversation going. Um, so cool. let me switch over here. Thanks again, everyone hanging out and participating in the show thus far. If you're enjoying the stream and you haven't followed yet, please hit the follow button. We do this every week with uh, different contemporary artists. Um, it's like we're just having brunch together. Uh, we're going to take a quick break so you can expect this back at about 12.08. And we'll get into Justin's um, more current work and some of the stuff that uh, he shared with us that he wanted to talk about. So you can look forward to that and we will see you all soon. Hello everyone, uh, we're back. Thanks for hanging out over the break. Hope you had time to grab a drink or you know, wash a dish or uh, maybe you folded some clothes while we were gone. That's, those are the kinds of things we ask our viewers to do when we're on breaks uh, because it, it, it makes you a better viewer. Um, Art by Andre, thanks for the follow. I see you there. I also missed shouting out uh, uh, Nana Khalifi with the follow earlier. So I'm, I'm probably saying that completely wrong, but thanks for the follows. Following is, is really awesome. It lets, gives you the ability to uh, know when we go live, we have different shows on the network, and um, that's the best way to keep up with what we're doing. Uh, I'm going to flip back over to our friends here. Hello, y'all. Welcome back. Hello. 
Um, I just wanted to quickly mention, uh, we've kind of explored the, the head shop space and, and, and I, Rick's kinship to that. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to just say very briefly that I, I feel great kinship to kind of like the DIY space mentality, a bit of this, of like kind of changing a room for a day to a, a whole new space. And there's been a lot of, uh, kind of like less so like, uh, I, I guess DIY concert like in the rock or you know traditional like band saying but more like the DJ electronic world that there's really a lot of I think overlap and creative space where you know uh, DIY galleries uh, can become kind of like rave spaces or you know kind of club environments and I think stuff like that is really important especially meeting it at not just the like high-end like 3d art world but like very much in the like DIY kind of you know uh, trash bong, you know, or whatever you want to say, like uh, that club environment too. I, I feel a great kinship to through your art. And that I think it's kind of interesting that it's meeting two kind of different spaces that are kind of all kind of revel around the same world, but are, are at, at different places. Uh, I think in like a, a person's life, even at some point. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> so just had to make sure to give the club environment and Terry radio a good shout out <laughs> with that one. Cause I, I feel a great kinship to that, to that, that sense of time in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Nico, welcome. Welcome. Good to see you here. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, we have some images that you sent over of your more recent work and, um, my screen is all messed up. So let me just, Nope. Never mind. I'm just going to keep <laughs> making it worse. I thought I could do it quickly, but I can't. So thank you all for bearing with me here just for a second. Oh, we're vibing. We're good. Um, um, what I need to do is this. Yeah. Okay. So we have these paintings here that you shared with us. And before we get into it, um, the thing that um, immediately jumped out at me are those like reflective metallic sheets that look like they're laid over the the canvas work and they reminded me immediately of uh like joss papers or like prayer papers um and uh that was just that was just one of the things that that jumped out to me so just okay um yeah so josh paper or joss j-o-s-s um they are uh i think they're they're Buddhist, a Chinese ancestral worship, um, ghost or spirit money, paper crafts uh, that are used to like burn. Here, like I can pull them up. Yeah. So here we have some, like this is like a classic oh, oh. Joss paper kind of vibe there. I've never seen it before. They're really, <clears throat> they're really pretty and. Um, they're like little metallic kind of like reflective bits. Uh, so when I saw these, I immediately started to think of, of, of Josh, Joss papers and like these prayers and those papers are used to like burn for um, prayer requests. And then like having that attached to these like smoky tie dyes and these like hookah hoses or these like bong <laughs> hoses of thinking about like smoke as prayer or like burnt, you know, lighting these canvases up. 
That's really cool. Um, yeah, I'd never seen those before. That's fascinating. Uh, this is actually iridescent acrylic. Okay. Oh, so it's uh, painted. On top of this. So it's, yeah, they're paintings. Um, this is kind of the last solidified body of work that I've made recently. Mm -hmm. um, most of it kind of happened during the lockdown. Um, I haven't shown them a lot. I one in the Nerman Museum um, benefit show that they do every three, two or three years. Um, they invite they invite artists to make a piece for the show, and then the piece is auctioned off to make money for the museum. And okay. that was the first show that I showed this in. And then the the piece on the left was actually the piece that was in the Level Three Gallery show here in Chicago, it was a group show. Um, but that's the only time I've ever shown this work. Um, I've just been kind of cranking them out. And they, uh, yeah, it's concept started out, uh, Rick, you and I kind of talked about this like yeah. during our pre-interview, but there was a point when I was, I was really interested in, um, you know, conspiracy and I was digging really deep um, online about most bizarre conspiracy theories and all of the stuff. And I got really into the reptilian kind of overlord conspiracy theories. And I was super fascinated. Then of course I'm fascinated by psychedelics and really interested in reading all of these accounts of when people smoke DMT and they see these DMT entities. There's actually like, I've seen like gotten ads from university researchers that are like, Please, if you smoke DMT and you've seen the entities, like, please, uh, please contact us and tell us about your experience and stuff. So it's fascinating to me. The scientific world is trying to figure out, like, what is going on here. Mm -hmm. um, so initially, this whole concept came from I really wanted to make these lenticular holographic prints of reptilians and then the actual framing of the, the print would have a smoking structure in it where you could actually take hits of DMT um, from this piece. And, you know, that kind of got whittled down to um, <laughs> back to my, my old weed ways. And so I started making paintings where there's basically a, a pipe structure built in the stretcher frame that was functional. Uh, the first time I showed that was actually at GCAD. Um, I, I had a solo show there in 2019, and I, I had a couple of these works in there where you could technically smoke out of the painting if you so pleased. Um, but then I, you know, so this work was then started kind of whittling it down even more. So these are not actually functional. Okay. Pipes. It's more of a pulled the aesthetic from the functional pipe paintings and now it's more of like my own kind of brush stroke or kind of painting trope that's more decorative now on these things hmm. so there's still the blown glass slide bowl up top there's still the kind of macrame like pipe hookah tube thing that comes out um but now it's more aesthetic and decorative rather than functional hmm. um and I, initially i really struggled with when i started making the pipe paintings 
it felt like they had to be functional to be taken seriously at first. Uh-huh. Yeah. I felt that if they were just aesthetic parts of the painting that it didn't seem like that step far enough or that it wouldn't be taken seriously. Okay. But now that I've made that body of work that was functional, I feel like I kind of have the right to now minimalize that down to just an aesthetic. But before it didn't feel like I had the right to do that. You paid, I don't know what you guys think. You paid the piper. <laughs> um, well, for, for some reason, I think <laughs> you think the soundboard uh, be brutal, dude. Um, the the thing for some reason the the thing that keeps coming to mind, like when I look at these, is the like, do you smoke? Smoke what? As the like, as like the response um, mm. of like, you know, I I, I don't know. There's all of these times where like when I was a kid and I guess it's been memed that like, you know, do you smoke cigarettes? And then the stoner kid is like, all right, do you smoke? And the stoner kid's like, do I smoke what? And that's like an answer in of itself. Um, yeah. Like a very applicable yeah. answer in of itself. And for some reason, I just kind of like keep coming back to that term when I look at these. Um, is that like the stoner would be like, yeah, but can you smoke out of it? And and then like you wanted to be able to say yes, like yeah, rip it, bro. Like <laughs> you know, <laughs> grip it and rip it. Like if you're about it. Um, and I think that there is, I think there is something important about having that as an opportunity of the work. Like that's that's very. I get you know we get a lot of feedback. That's like we'll take it all the way to its logical end. And the logical end, in some ways, is definitely like they're functional. Um, but then you had an experience of showing that work as functional, and we're able to uh, adjust it from the response that you've seen, or kind of like the response in yourself. So, so I, I'm in agreement with you that it was important that they were functional at some point. But then removing that functionality opens up. Uh, another series of questions and being able to look at these hookah tails or these like I don't know I you know they're they're very phallic it's like a, a curled pig's penis kind of thing <laughs> or like a tail or duck ducks have the corkscrew penis um, yeah. you know those are the kind of things that come up and and these like hoses or you know starting to think about like the aesthetic qualities not just serving the function anymore yeah, and I think too, um, I didn't include it on my influences, but um, I can't remember when it was. Um, within the last 10 years, or I was in New York and I saw this painting show, and it was these really basic, kind of abstract paintings that had like broom handles affixed to the painting. Mm-hmm. I was like, first i i i was like oh i I hate this like it just you know i was like oh it's just a broom handle on a painting like blah 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 but then i thought about that show forever (laughs) and i'm like did it but it it was powerful enough that it stuck in my head and i like thought about it over and over again for something that seemed very simple and then i started seeing kind of the contemporary art world and this is something that i do a lot is i kind of look and see what 
current trends are. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is kind of like a like a joke kind of jab, like, oh, I can play this game too type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it too is an academic sense of where I feel like I'm, I'm continuing the conversation. And I like to, I, I, I say this a lot when talking about painting and I think contemporary art is really hard for people that aren't in the know and like not looking at what's happening because there's so many references. And I feel like, you know, writers, they have a, have a bibliography where they can list all of the places that they got these quotes or these ideas from. And as artists, like it's all visual. So I feel like I'm, like these are basically like, you know, they're my bibliography of what I'm looking at, um, things that I really like that I'm bringing in, and I feel like I'm having a a conversation with these other artists that, in academic sense, hmm. I'm I'm continuing the lineage of this trope that's happening in painting right now that I find interesting, and I'm also trying to play off of that and see where I can take it as well. Mm-hmm. That if that makes sense. Definitely. Is there a specific trope that you're you're referencing in in these paintings in particular? <clears throat> I think I think tie-dye has been kind of around in the contemporary painting world for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seeing a lot of like just online back in the, you know, all of these little hip little galleries in New York, like so many people were incorporating tie dye. Um, but then also like tie dye is huge pop culture now too. So I feel like it's pulling stuff from pop culture as well. Yeah. Um, but I think right now there's a, there's a big trend of kind of extending off of canvas. Okay. So whether that be like, like a crazy decorative frame or you know, things are starting to get affixed to canvas and it's coming off of it now. Like whether that be like, you know, hardware from the hardware store, mm-hmm. you're seeing more like, like consideration taken into like, maybe now you do see the screws or whatever, or there is wood like that is like jutting off of the piece. Um, I feel like we're in this time where now we're accepting outside of a canvas frame again, mm-hmm. and that we can can really make that part of the work, both conceptually and aesthetically. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah, I would I would agree, uh, and I Completely. think that yeah, these feel these 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 feel inside of that and. Um, like those uh, adornments, I don't know. I I always have this urge to adorn paintings or the um, like canvas. I think mm. that like I I find in my own work that I rarely have reason to simply use like a pristine wrapped canvas, you know that that has all of the. Uh, aesthetics of like history it, it and that like sometimes it, it becomes a uh an end not like a means to an end like it doesn't ever really function as like a means to an end for me it's just it's just convention um which can be helpful but 
but yeah, I, I, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at with it too, is, is that like when I have a really, really strong reason to paint on a rectangular canvas, then that's, that's going to be a good day. <laughs> it's going to be a very different and strange day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, and I think too. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, just kind of finishing up on that, like you know, people picking out like the aesthetic choices of like the nails, the wood, uh, you know, picking up things from Home Depot. I think there's some people that are doing that and almost getting it down to just that is the piece itself. You know, we talked about Virgil Abloh with like the zip tie. We've we've seen a lot of like plastic chain and like you know like things to where like deeply functional objects are becoming the work itself and. Um, I think that's that's really neat, and I think I think that you know that might at some point be like, oh, that's a very two thousand, you know, you know, you could say probably sixteen to now, maybe later, whatever. But um, I think what's really you're adding so much more, not just in that like, oh, but you're adding your own thing. Is I must feel like you're sort of doing a found object method towards your own work. Like you have the tie dye aspect, you have this be maybe functional, but also not like you're kind of, I feel like you're almost picking out of your own, like the, the brain space of your own vintage shop, your own kind of thing. And like kind of throwing in like, here's like six different things I am at once in one thing. And Oh, by the way, you can also smoke out of it. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there is the line where you can and the line where you can't. And then, you know, clearly there's ones like, like there was a, looks like a more like braided kind of bigger rope at the bottom versus just like a hose. Like, I feel like at some point you're kind of just doing that to yourself now, seemingly at this point. Oh yeah, I definitely am. Um, <clears throat> and even like the, I feel like that's a, it's a pretty classic way of, you know, how I'm working and painting. Like, you know, you make all this stuff, then you look at it and then you're like, okay, why do I like that one and not this one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so now let's take, I like about that one and then let's try to recreate that again and then that just kind of snowballs and evolves into you know new work um i think that it's easy to get stuck you're like oh that worked really well out of those 10 paintings i made i'm just gonna do that 20 more times and that's what i do now right um and i, I just get bored you know with that so I, I i keep trying to find like what worked about that series can I scrap from it is unnecessary. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that's a, a very uh, legit statement for what I'm doing. And then staying power, you know, over, over the course of your artistic production, then I think that one of the things that's really interesting is like, which explorations had staying power? Like which works did you work on for, a month or six months or a year or like at times like maybe a series can go on for 10 years and the relationship between like how deeply they impact you and the staying power of certain objects or methodologies in in the work is something that really excites me um i yeah i uh yeah i can totally see that <clears throat> it's uh it's fascinating what what we decide to uh keep running with and what we don't um and then out of left, left field, maybe. we have we have this work, right? <laughs> can, can you talk about yeah. your, your Animal Crossing gallery a little bit? So this was just, I think, a very timely you know, project that happened 
during the quarantine lockdown um animal crossing like i think got a lot of people through the horrible time of being locked down um so many people picked up animal crossing um i think it was therapeutic it it was also a way of like bringing an online community together that was different than just chatting back and forth via instagram and twitter and all of that stuff um and once again like I was starting to see trends of galleries that I respect across the US, like starting to realize that there's a lot of people interacting in Animal Crossing, like maybe we should recreate our gallery in Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a show um, a while ago at a gallery called Subterranean and the show was recreated like to a T in Second Life um, by an artist named Kevin Heckert who was a co like runner of the space and uh just that idea of like the digital interaction like how different it is but at the same time you know it's not like it's still a group of people looking at work but maybe this time you're a you know a giant dragon creature with armor on and you know or whatever um but i've always liked that idea of i think i lost you for a second am i back you're back you're good yeah 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 so anyways, um, so I was playing around a lot. I was making, in Animal Crossing, you can kind of create your own art or like designs to decorate the ground or whatever. Um, and there's a whole like secondary market of people that are like trading these art and goods that they're making in this imaginary space, um, which I've always found fascinating. I've never been a big gamer, but just the idea that people are like, spending all this time creating stuff in this other world and then trading back and forth. It was really, really like, it seems like a brightness in this weird, you know, quarantine <laughs> especially with this. But so I started playing around and like trying to make paintings of my own in animal crossing and nothing. I didn't, I wasn't happy with anything I was making. And I've always really liked just re I like appropriation work. I like making fun of the art world. I like taking jabs at, you know, artists that are famous that I can still respect, but also like make fun of. Mm -hmm. And I, st I was, you know, thinking I was like, what artists like work would translate super well to the way that you have to make things in Animal Crossing, because it's all in a grid system. You know, you're limited to pixels and squares. And, and I was like, oh my God, I'm like, basically what peter haley does with paint and i was like you know peter haley's paintings look super dope on like it, it fits all of the the concepts that i like to think about like does it look good on the monitor like what are the colors like um and i was like it's got to be peter haley paintings so i re i just remade a ton of peter haley paintings um <laughs> animal crossing and then I was like, well, I kind of have to have a show now. So I made a flyer, which I think I sent you the flyer image. Um, it's a picture of my partner's sock, like on our couch. And then oh, yeah. uh, called the show Shredded because there's a character in Animal Crossing that's like a broed out lion. And he says <laughs> Shredded all the time. <laughs> I was like, all right, the show's called Shredded, you know, and it's just recreation of Peter Haley paintings in Animal Crossing. And it was so much fun. You know, nobody came to see it, 
uh, <laughs> it was just like something that I ended up making. Nobody, you know, asked to come see the show because you can go to other people's islands and check it out. And so it was just this really timely piece that only worked within that very small quarantine lockdown time. And it was just a lot of fun to make and a, something different, but also similar to the work I've been creating over the years. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. And I, I'm so curious about like I'm I'm new to gaming in that I mean I stopped really playing in like fourth fifth grade, and then I feel like I'm even more new to the visual art world having been from music. So like this idea of the art gallery in a video game world, uh, as we have played uh, out here in uh, on the travel agency, artists play video games with Minecraft, which I think slowly but surely will have some sort of gallery based <laughs> space created that. Um, it's just really, uh, it's, it's not just a, it's not a wink. It's not a gag. Like this is real. Like this is a, a space that I think people really need to take seriously. And I think it's really amazing that animal crossing has also been added to that world of games where you can be something, you can create a whole new world, you know, not just literally, but like specifically in the arts and creative spaces like that, that, um, that this, this will be an element of that going forward. Yeah, I think so. The, it has great. been for a while. World of Warcraft, you know, people were making stuff in World wow. of Warcraft like back in the day. Second Life is, you know, has been such a bizarre, like, and it's actually a second life. Like, people are living, like, there's an economy, there's like a whole thing going on there that's just super fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that sparks the creativity in people, and like, that's the, the place that they find their safe space to like make super dope shit, like, I'm, I think it's awesome. Absolutely. I've been seeing a lot of really good um, interviews in VR chat. Uh, there's like a whole genre of like VR chat. There's this guy who does these interviews with people who want to be anonymous and, and talk about like, uh, you know, I, I think one that I remember was just this guy who um, drove some of his friends to this house and his friends ended up like going in this house and it was a drug deal gone wrong and um, they murdered the drug dealer and got back into this guy's car and he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that they were going to do that. And, and then he like drove away um, and was charged with like a t- with second degree murder because he was the like getaway driver. Right. And nobody took the rap. So he was in VR chat talking about that experience and talking about like what it felt like this whole time while he's like this giant turtle or something, <laughs> you know, it's like John, I don't know if you saw that, like John Raffman, the Kool-Aid man in second life. Like, no. it's like, it's so wild to think of you know, the serious story. And then it's a giant turtle telling it to you, <laughs> like just breaks the ice, but also it's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Did that turtle kill someone? <laughs> Yeah, the the visuals are so so highly opposed, um, but like what it does for people, it's so much better than the like classic Dateline, like uh, darkened face, you know, like the way they used to like keep people anonymous on television. Oh, we lost Jake. Uh, maybe he's back. But um, the way they'd like have an anonymous person on TV is they'd be like looking over here 
and it'd be light everywhere around them except like their head and they'd have like a voice changer on well now you can just be like a turtle yeah. <laughs> here's your choices do you want to be like <laughs> the hippo in a bikini uh you know do you want to be a can of soda like what do you want i love that jake you back you you settled over there yeah, i'm back sorry i don't know what happened my internet shorted out which has never happened before on the show so that's i apologize okay. but i it was fun to come back to turtle and bikini discourse so that's i'm glad we i got back to that so. yeah just in time <laughs> just in time um rick should we get to our 10 questions i think so okay fabulous um Thanks for okay. sharing all of those with us. Thanks for sharing those images and, and us talking about the work. I think that, um, I mean, I, I found it to be a really valuable conversation and to, to dive deeper into, you know, some of the things that you're working on. And, and thanks for, you know, showing us work that's like in progress right now, because that's also like a vulnerable space. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it was it was good for us all to see what another logical end is to your practice as it's just a temporary end, like, you know, tying, tying these knots in this, this rope. And, and I think too, that's, yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to do that. It's really difficult to find like discussion of work in process. Mm -hmm. uh, I think as an adult artist anyways. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, like I, I'm I'm feeling a particular kinship to this work, at least even personally, if I can <laughs> make it a little bit about me, but that's I can't I, hear I think Jake. like <laughs> Oh you can't. Oh. How about now? No. No, I hear you. Oh. Am I moving? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Tech issues well, we are a part of the the live show experience. Oh. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Do, do you have them back now? No, I can't hear I hear you but not Jake for some reason. Well, that's a new one. Let's see. I, I see. I see him. Hello? 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 <laughs> uh, Rick, you can hear me though, right? I, I can don't know. hear you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well maybe I'll... Rick takes the questions. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get some questions. So just to wrap okay. up the show here in, in the next uh, 10 to 20 minutes, um, we have 10 questions that we'd like to ask our guests. There's a couple that changed this time. We've given them a little bit of a refresher. And, uh, and yeah, just, just to get to know you a little bit better at the end here. So the first question is for you, Justin, what is one simple thing that you're trying to get good at right now? Um, outside of my practice, uh, I've been trying to meditate more, mm. be a little more mindful. Um, in my practice, I am, I'm trying to take a little more care in the craft, which is something that I've never found important in my work really um, in the past. So it's never really been about the craft of the object. Yeah. Now I'm trying to kind of slow my work down a little bit and uh, really kind of take the craft of the object into consideration, which is something I don't usually do. Yeah, the, the um, I think those sound like 
both valiant efforts, <laughs> you know, uh, slowing down and, and becoming more mindful. I, I mean, and they, they connect, right? So this, this like meditation, this slowing down, this mindfulness uh, plays right into the hand of increased quality of craft and, and work. So uh, that's how I see those two connect. Um, Justin, do you have a favorite type of gum? You know, I, I used to chew gum a lot when I drank. Um, I don't really chew gum that much anymore. Somebody gave me a piece of watermelon gum the other day that was so delicious. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> watermelon it is. <laughs> cool. Jake, are you alive? Are you there? Yes. Can Justin hear me now? Still can't hear him. I don't Dang, I'm sorry. Very new. Okay. Very Rick, new. You're gonna have to <laughs> Yeah, I'll take this away. I'll take us I'll take us All right, have thank you, you. Have you ever successfully completed a game of Monopoly? I am a massive Monopoly fan really? to the extent that nobody <laughs> nobody will play with me. Okay, that's um, fair. Yeah. I played a lot of games of Monopoly. I do get competitive in Monopoly. Um, I'm pretty ruthless. Um, so people will play with me once, but yeah, I've completed multiple games of Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Two Monopoly lovers in a row, says Nico. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. most people are like on the other side of that. And I, I think it I think it really ties into like, you know, capitalism in general. Is that there's a few people who really, really like Monopoly and there's just loads and loads of people that have really good reasons to hate it. <laughs> like, like a, a lot of them. Like most of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, okay, so... Uh, real, real quick, I'll say I noticed, I checked that uh, the show can hear me, seemingly, which is good. So, unfortunately, Justin can't, but anyway. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll ad lib, but you'll take the questions. <laughs> cool. Uh, other than being an artist, what would be your dream job if there was no like physical limitations or anything like that? Oh, geez. Um, still within the art world, but I mean, I think being a curator would be would be insanely fun. Um, gosh, outside of that. Um, if it if working in a kitchen wasn't so stressful and shitty, uh, being a chef, I think. Yeah. It is. It is like a hundred percent stressful and shitty. Like there's no way around that, right? It's it's rough. Like it takes a very specific type of person who can handle the the stress level, the workload. Um, I tried when I was younger, and then once I got old enough to get to the front of the house, I was like, I'm out of here. This is going to be a hobby now, no longer a career path. Yeah, it's like twice the money and half the hours, and you're not constantly burning yourself on stoves, uh, which I yeah. can't personally <laughs> deal with. Um, what was your fav favorite cartoon growing up? Um, I really liked Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. A lot. Okay. That makes a lot That of explains sense. a lot, yeah. <laughs> I can hear you now. Okay, good. Oh, no. Oh, I was going to pull some gag where, like, Justin can't hear me and I'm talking shit or something, but <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't do that now. Uh, okay, thank God. Another new question that I think is really fun. Who is an artist you hate to love? I think I got to say Brad Trammell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of... A lot of uh 
hating to love, loving to hate. Yeah, totally. I'm definitely on the love to hate side of things for that guy. <laughs> um, We're not getting that plug either anymore. Oh, well. No, no. Brad Trammell is not welcome on this show. 100%. The only person that's banned from our brunch is Brad Trammell. Um, wow. You hear that, Brad? Take that. <laughs> for, for reasons that we won't go into. Um, reasons that are not even necessarily real. Uh, you want to take the next one, Jake, since you're alive? Yes, since now I am back on online. Uh, when driving, Justin, are you typically the giver or the receiver of finger? Um, I'm a pretty, I drive like an old person, mm. so probably the receiver. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. You've got places to be, but you're taking your time and they can just deal with it. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's realizing this question is actually so amazing because it really does show that you can have swag, even though like one, you know, it's like, I'm taking my damn time and you can get over it, you know, yeah. like that. Your slow driving is your middle finger to that in a way, you know, but um, do, you, do you guys, do you think Chicago, Jake, has better or worse drivers than St. Louis? They for sure are worse parkers okay. than St. Louis. People in Chicago don't know how to park their car because I think previously, certainly they were taking public transit full time because mm. people, they will, people will just like park with like, a horribly amount of space behind it in front of them that if they were to have scooted up back, they would have created like six more spots because yeah. like three quarters of 10 a car. people yeah. did it, did it wrong, you know? Um, so, I mean, as far as drivers go, I would say I haven't really experienced anything particular bad. Although I will say quickly, Lakeshore drive is truly the most dangerous place to drive because no one can decide where, what, what, what speed to go. Because it doesn't, it does tell you, but like, you can very easily go sixty on there, and no one will blink an eye. But you can also very easily go like thirty, and no one will blink an eye. Like it's just it is yeah. pure pandemonium on Lakeshore. But anyway, I talk about that a lot when I'm describing. Because I'm like, everyone, y'all be like, it says forty, everybody's <laughs> going seventy. Like, people scoot <laughs> on that road. People move on that road. Yeah, which I'm a fan of. And it feels the city's good. having problems. Know, they're talking about Chicago financial problems. I'm like, you can make millions of dollars giving speed tickets on Lakeshore. Like no in like probably like three months. Like you're all of a sudden the city is rich, you know? Yeah. Well and it's it's such a beautiful street. Like you're going along the water and the city at the same time. They wedged it perfectly there, but just like you can't even really look at it because you have to make sure you're not dying in by just like making minor yeah. adjustments left and right. And then like it stops too, like there's stoplights involved in it, uh -huh. but it's like a highway too. Anyway move on messed up um it's justin up. what are your thoughts on crocs um i think uh ironically they're hilarious um actually my collaborator tim brown runs a uh an instagram account called crocs doing things that is just croc games um and i get a big kick out of it i bought a pair one time um i didn't think they were really that comfortable mm. and i sold them at my garage sale oh nice that's the life cycle. Dave, of I've only, rock. I've been in the balance of buying Fox basically since quarantine started. But even before that, I was like, oh, think about it. And now it's like, okay, time to get a housey, uh, a comfy house shoe. And I still haven't pulled the trigger. And I, I think that's you know information itself as to reason why I haven't. But I, 
I, I think I still really want to do it. I, I really want to get a pair. People know. love them. Yeah, I don't know I if they count fun. as a it's comfy house shoe. See, that's the whole debate. Is it a house shoe? Is it an outdoor shoe? Yeah. When you, you put you. on the, you turn on the four wheel drive. When you put the strap behind your ankle, you know, like that's that's what's up. <laughs> Um, the next question that we have, this is number nine, uh, and you were mentioning this earlier, but the question is, um, can you describe your meditation practice or, uh, however you relax or connect? Yeah. So I, when I was younger, I was very much into, you know, Eastern thought, um, meditating. Um, and then I didn't do anything for my whole adult life, but I just recently, like, I'm talking like super fresh, like I'm seven consecutive days in, um, but I'm using a, uh, an app, um, guided meditations. Um, I've been doing it in the morning right after my shower. Um, and yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, focusing on breath, working on posture. Um, very, very uh, early learning as an adult. Cool. Fantastic. Um, and I guess I can take the last one, yeah. Rick, if you want, since people can hear me again. Uh, what is the most memorable response you've received to your work? Um, memorable response. And I, I always really like it when kick out of it and it feels good when people don't like it and they voice their opinion. Um, I just, I really like someone who's willing to say that they, they hate it. Like that kind of, in a weird way, it feels good to me. I feel like I'm doing something right. Um, so, <laughs> or if there's, if, if they're like an art world person is scared of what I'm going to do next, I feel like I'm doing my job. For sure. And, and do, where do you level on the, uh, like, idea of, like, whether they, like, proved it to you or not? Or is it more just the fact that they dissented at all? Um, I think the fact that it's just, yeah, it's spoken. You know, I yeah. think it's really hard to be critical to, to somebody in person or, like, speak up and say something about that. And I really appreciate that. Um, I think it's important, and I think that, gets lost sometimes definitely it's okay to hate stuff um i love to hear why you hate it yeah <laughs> hear that everyone get out there tell justin why <laughs> if you ever felt need to this is the time you got the okay let's go i mean it is it is a lot easier to elicit positive feedback than it is to elicit critical feedback like i want to know what people say about me behind closed doors you know or like what people say about my work like when they're talking shit because i want to like know what those things are uh so i can better understand myself um but it's important it's yeah okay cool well we're, we're coming to the end here um uh nico says finally i can voice my opinion <laughs> jk <laughs> yeah hit me up nico let me know um i had a really good joke earlier that i wrote down and didn't get to talk about so I just want to like give myself some time to talk about this joke that I wrote down earlier. And you were saying, uh, you were saying that like sometimes when you buy too much tie dye stuff for your practice, it ends up just becoming a part of your wardrobe. And then I was going to make the joke that you're the headshot, Mr. Doodle. 
there think, you go. I just think it's a funny, funny joke. <laughs> Definitely had to get that one in at the end. Thank you, Rick. I, nice. I appreciate that. My current we favorite were, uh, contemporary artist, Mr. Doodle, everyone. Go check him out <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. If you don't know who that is, I think you know who it is. <laughs> um, okay, so as as we wrap up here, uh, you know, just, just giving space to each of us to say say our goodbyes or, or mention, you know, I don't know, Justin, if you have anything coming up, anything that you're looking forward to. Um, it's also a scary question because if you don't, maybe that makes you feel feel bad. But maybe you can share with us things that are coming up, things you're looking forward to, and also just anything you want to share with our audience before you go. Sure. Um, I don't have any shows lined up. Um, I've got some applications out for some fun things. We'll see, you know, what comes about that. Um, a lot of those are, you know, rejection letters, but that's just how the life goes. Um, I am conceptually working on an Instagram gallery for artists that are making stuff that has to do with plants. So pots, hangers, pedestals, uh, things like that. So you'll probably see something coming the next year from me on that um cool got a new series of paintings i'm working on that are very different from anything i've made um that are in the super early stages and they're they feel really normal but it feels really weird for me so i'm interested to see where that goes so you might see some of that popping up too okay awesome yeah and i'm gonna put your links in the chat there if anybody wants to check out your website or follow you on instagram they can they can do that there. Cool. Thank you. All right, Jake, what you got anything for us today? Um, just a little bit of self-shout. Uh, folks, if you want to join us on Thursday evening, we'll have our next edition of Club Stars Align. It will be our Aquarius edition, so we'll be celebrating the likes of Rick and other wonderful Aquarius in the world. Um, and then again, we'll have my mom and I. My mom, Denise Hewlett, is the resident astrologer of the show. Mm-hmm. We'll also have DJ sets uh, by myself, as well as DJ Mix Riss and the good sweet folks over at Boogie Nights uh, of Quarantine. So definitely uh, check us out Thursday evening over here at the Travel Agency. Awesome. Cool. Thank you all. And uh, I'm going to switch. Thank you, Justin. More importantly. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to switch over here. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for hanging out with us today. I hope it felt like uh, I hope it felt like you know this the the rotating camera in the in that '70s show. You know, I I, I really I, I hope that's that's kind of what it felt like. We should do a show like that sometime. It'd be pretty fun. Thank you all for tuning in today. Um, if you enjoyed the stream, um, you can follow us to get updates on when we're streaming again. Um, like Jake said, we have another show coming up Thursday, Aquarius Edition Club Stars Line. And then uh, next Sunday, we have the annual birthday pancake mukbang here on the Travel Agency. So thank you again. Um, here are the links to Travel Agency stuff if you want to connect with us more. And we will see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>